Welcome to Disrupting Rep 3. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson, where we love to talk all things disrupting, disruptors and innovators that are in the space of the future of the internet, the internet as it is right now, what we like to call Web3. And with me, her government name is Shana Douglas, but we know her lovingly as Diamond Doll. Diamond, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be going into a new year, new cycles, and continue to build in Web3. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's a it's an exciting time. It's scary for some that are looking on the outside and don't necessarily have the deep dive view that some of us have. But I like to get motivation to understand people's kind of framing and what motivates them every day and kind of gets them out of bed. So we often talk about people's Web three story, but we're going to get to your Web three story. But I want to know your origin story. Like, what is what is it your most kind of critical moment that really kind of is a is a foundation for who you are and what motivates you as a person right now? Like what, what is that key seminal moment in your life? I think, you know, I am someone who is very adaptable and I've always had so many interests as a young kid. I mean, my first job was with the professional Shakespeare troupe (laughs) going and doing acting. Yeah. Like as a child. And so I've always had a love for arts, music, dance, uh, But as a lot of kids, you know, our parents want you to choose something that is going to be stable and make money that they, you know, feel like, you know, will support you. And for me, that was engineering. So once I was in high school, I was in technical theater doing behind the scenes, production, stage management, which naturally transitioned into engineering. I studied mechanical engineering. And now, you know, I haven't gotten to my Web3 origin story, but now all of these skills are coming together. The things that I did in supply chain as an engineer, the things that I did as a kid in arts, music, and tech, like I'm at this moment in my life where everything is coming into alignment and I can really be fully embodied with like all the talents and gifts that make up who I am. Yeah, I mean, it's parents, this is what parents do. And, you know, you become a parent one day, you may, you might not do this. You're kind of a free spirit. You want your kids to be what they really want you to do is be safe and be able to provide for yourself. Right. That I get why parents do that. And, you know, our parents have all been from the mindset that you really can't make money from creativity and art. And so you need to get something that is a quote unquote stable, whatever that means. If you look at what's going on in tech, there's a whole lot of people at tech losing these so-called stable jobs. So (laughs) there's really, I think, no such thing as stable, but I understand why our parents have that view. But let's talk about your Web3 origin story because you were, you still are an engineer. We're both engineers for life. We claim it, Nesby, so on. What what region in Nesby? Region 6, you already know. Okay, Region 6 in Nesby. All right, so shout out to anybody that's a Nesby listener here. But you were an engineer doing all this stuff and somehow you got down into Web3 when people think, you know, from the outside, even some engineers looking in, people are like, those people in the Web3 are different. How did you venture into this Web3 world and concept going from a mechanical engineer to this, which is very, which is quite different? It is, but a lot of people don't think about hardware in Web3, and I do. So as a mechanical engineer, I wasn't designing products, but I was on the manufacturing side of things. So finding the suppliers, going to the factories, making sure we can make these products at scale, at cost, 
without any supply issues. So I worked very closely with the technical people who were developing the displays at Microsoft and then a whole host of electronic components at the company I was at, which was the startup after. And so I was at this startup for two years. You know, I had done the big corporate billion dollar company. Felt like, not that I had Microsoft before that, you got like, yeah. Yeah, and when you come out of school, you're young, you're managing a whole lot of money, like doing really cool things. I really felt like I had hit the peak, you know, very early on. And so I wanted to try that startup life, which I think was preparing me for Web3 now that I'm my own business owner, um, which was a lot more flexible, a lot more like, hey, we don't have systems in place. Like we gotta go figure some things out. And when I heard about Web3, it's been about a year and a half, maybe a little bit longer. I met my partner, Tony Bravado. He had a business partner, Young Content. They had a digital collectible out um, that was token gating their alpha group so that you can learn more about Web3 and what projects to trust and who to follow and all of this stuff. And so they very quickly took me into their world. We're exposing me to really cool projects like yeah. Parallel and Huxley. Okay, and- you're giving us the very nice version of this, but this is what I got it from the other side, right? Like he saw he saw this cute girl, Diamond, and his game was good. His game was about technology and Web3. Like, let me introduce you to this Web3. And they've been inseparable ever since. Like that has some- Basically, <laughs> it's a love story too. No, it has, okay. it's, I tell you, Web3 has made everything come together for me. But no, the reality, listen, his business partner sat me down and grilled me. Why do you want to be in Web3? Is it just to make money? This, this, that. And I looked at him right back. I'm like, this is a tool for my people. I've been working in tech, making sure that underrepresented voices, black and brown people were getting those jobs and or, you know, elevated and really had a path to grow in their careers. Since I was in college, probably before then in high school, I was putting on events for Society of Women Engineers. So when I heard, was hearing all these things about blockchain and just the ability to have this like parallel ecosystem, you know, so that we can do business, transact, account for it, it was a no brainer. The light bulb went off and I said, this is for my people. This is how we build generational wealth. This is how we untether ourselves to the current system or how this is a path that we can, you know, kind of self-determine and make our own path. And I was sold. And from there it was, you know, once we started NFTCLT, which was our education onboarding organization, it was only a few months that I stayed in my job um, in corporate America at this startup. They were going through some struggles anyway. If you do dig in, you can find on my LinkedIn who it was. Uh, but you know, it was just the the perfect time to transition and step out on faith and trust myself and trust this space. Um, and it's been a whirlwind since. There's yeah. a lot of good things, bad things. Maybe we'll talk about what we've observed. Well, in let's the talk space, about stepping but... out on faith, right? This is a this is a hell of a time to be because this is a I think it's a great opportunity, but it's also a it's a is a challenging time within Web three, and I think because of a lot of things. Number one, you have what obviously the big stuff is happening with FTX. Even though that's not all Web three, we know that it doesn't matter, right? No. People see anything related to blockchain, and they say that oh, all of this stuff is no good because. And I, I explain to people that what happened with FTX is no different than what happened with Bernie Madoff. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's yep. like, here's what, yep. and people aren't, people didn't stop investing in the stock market. Just don't invest with people simply because of what they look like, who they are, and because of who they else, know. And who they know, right? Because it had nothing to do 
with, if you actually looked at what was going on, people just gave him money because he fit a profound status and he took people's money. Nothing to do with blockchain, nothing to do with that. But that being said, you're talking to people now in our community, and I know a lot of people are afraid, a lot of people are skeptical. What is your approach to the conversation about Web3, why it's different and what the opportunity is given the state and the climate of what people hear on the media, which is constant fear, constant misinformation, you know that. How do you yeah. how do you educate and empower people? What's the initial conversation like? The approach is always like community building and having a trusted relationship. This is why when I started NFTCLT with Tony, that was at the forefront. I'm coming from NSBE, you know, National Society of Black Engineers, for those who don't know, that that is like the cornerstone. That is the hallmark of that organization, which keeps us together. It's this idea of community. And so we are putting on free community events. And for me, I get to the point. I'm not going to sit here and talk to someone, oh, you can make a bunch of money on a blockchain and quit your job and this, this, that, and the third. Yes, there are success stories. Yes, you can make money as a creator or as a trader or flipper at the time. But ultimately, I'm always trying to get the big picture across. I start with, do you know where your money is going at the bank that you're holding your money? No, you don't. You have no clue what they're investing in. Let's start with practical things, right? For an artist, how difficult is it to get your money from streaming? Tell me about your story. Now, let me offer you a solution or a new path. Like, I really do try to build relationships, hear people, what their needs are, and then show them how blockchain is a solution to the current problems that they're facing. Besides, here's an opportunity to make money. Because um, when I think about it, I haven't made money from flipping like the money Neither that I've I. made. Right. The money that I've made is from building in this space, partnering with communities and people who are putting on real world events and activations to spread this ecosystem, to help it expand. Um, and not everyone can do that. Right. Everyone's going to find their own niche and lane. This is why I think as builders in this space, we really should be listening to outside voices more to understand their concerns so that we can tailor how we bring people into this ecosystem. Because even words like onboarding, people feel weird about that. You know, it feels right. like a job or it feels like, I don't even know what that means. If you're not coming from corporate America, <laughs> that right. goes over your head, right? So um, it's really important that Web3 people have emotional intelligence and, and really know what they're Which, which a lot is. of us, no pun intended, a little pun like we don't have, a lot of us don't have emotional intelligence because we are talking to people that are only in that are only in our space currently we so when we talk to anyone else we assume that they have the same level of knowledge access that we've always had and so we talk we talk we we start talking techie even people that have, you know that don't have tech backgrounds you've been in the space long enough you do have a level of knowledge that people don't right and so what advice do you give for those who are entering into the Web3 space, right? And what advice should they ignore? Mm, what advice more? All right, I'll start with the give. Okay. It's very simple. I ask people, do you have a Twitter? Because I know I didn't have Twitter when I was coming into this space. And if not for Twitter, I don't think that I would have connected with as many communities and people who are building in this space as yeah. I did. So I start there is like, you need to go to where the community is and start to integrate yourself. Even if you feel uncomfortable, hop in a Twitter space, really listen to people who are in this grind, putting out projects, building protocols. And that gives you a better sense of 
why people care about this space and also just more solutions, right? There's things popping up all the time, protocols or platforms that may just be perfect for what you're trying to do. Um, the advice I would say, don't take. Ooh, I think it's rushing into the hype of a project. You yes. see a project that you like really digging and even in NFT CLT, like I've had people come back in real life after a few events. Oh my God, I found this comedian project and I'm investing in, have you heard of it? And I might not always know, like, especially this, you know, Web3 is global. So yeah, I have people of all different, you know, backgrounds who are finding projects that are like for their community, like Hispanic projects, something that maybe I'm not tapped into. Um, and I just say be cautious before giving your money up because, you know, just speaking from experience, I put a lot of money into projects that didn't go anywhere. I have a lot of crap NFTs um, who the founders sounded great at the time. They were enthusiastic, but life happens. And yep. if you haven't really done your research to make sure that there's organizations in place, like real protocols, and they're really making progress, sit back and observe. Don't feel like you have to rush in. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting to look at this space and 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 to see that people when people try to blame like the blockchain space for human nature, right? It's not like what it, people got greedy. I knew I was very confident during 2021 that we were in a bubble. Like I, I never really chased it. I'm, I'm sure I could have made money chasing it, flipping and being involved. But my goal is I haven't made a lot of money at all yet. The goal is to build a long term ecosystem. So it was never mm -hmm. to for me to just build a project and then figure out how we can flip the money as, as quickly as possible. Nothing wrong with that take if that's what you do, so on and so forth, as long as you're being transparent with people and you're following rules, like I don't care, but like it's when you're not being honest with people and you're using this just to take advantage of people's naivete or greed. Um, but how do you But think I do think there's something wrong though with that, just in general, because- Oh, taking advantage of people is something wrong with that. I agree with that, but go ahead. What, what do you think? Not advantage, just like, um, like the whole flipping space and that culture, oh, like, yes. to me, it doesn't lead to a sustainable ecosystem. It never does. It's, right, it's one thing to have an ecosystem, it's another to have something that's actually gonna last for decades, right? Even the fiat dollar, how many years? Maybe a hundred, you know, since the creation of the country, right? A uh, little bit more than that. So it's like thinking long-term, that flipping mentality to me is very short, short, Excited, short-minded. I agree, but it's also his human nature, right? So look at, I look at this at, uh, I, the comparison I see to what we're going through right now within the Web3 space is no different than what happened with the dot-com era. So mm. rewind to what happened then, right? You were, you might've, you were just being born, so you're super I'm young, born, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I even hit you on the cheek, you're really, I was like starting college early, so, you know, I mean, I look at, I don't have a baby face, but I'm a little bit older than, than nine adults. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, we, um, at that period, uh, there was a lot of flipping with just having .com. So if you had a popular .com, yeah, yeah. you were able to really make a lot of money and flip it and sell it to somebody else for the .com. Or if you just started a business with a .com, all of a sudden you put it up and you would literally go public. You could look up pets.com. They were, <laughs> there was a lot of different examples of that, right? At even larger levels. And then there was a big bust. And then you can go back and see all of these so-called experts, look at all of the media telling people, oh, we told you no one really cared about that stuff. There was no real value in the internet. All that stuff was said. So just go back and look it up, right? And I, don't take my word for it, do your own research. 
That happened with .com. Does anybody doubt that the internet.com is a huge, massive success across the world? It's the, it's the quickest transformation of wealth we've seen. Same things as are happening with Web3. Same exact things. Something new. People are just finding ways to figure out how to make money quickly. There are greedy people that do that. You chase greed, you, you're likely going to, uh, well, what's the statement? I remember the statement, bulls make money, bears make money, pigs get slaughtered, right? At the end of the day, mm. <laughs> right? If your goal, if you're looking at something just to do flip quick, uh, a quick flip, I should say, normally that doesn't work out like it, it doesn't, human nature, but people are going to do that, but that doesn't discount the power of this space what it is doing, and you see what the corporation is doing, they're investing in this. So I wanna really talk about this a little bit. Uh, what do you think the average person needs to unlearn to be able to unlearn? What, is, what does the average person have to unlearn to embrace Web3? I think you hit it. It's like this idea of being a slave to money, honestly. Like, you know, I think about the flipping's one, but if your whole community is built on Wealth building is something different, right? That's when we talk about having real products and services. This is where I bring in my engineering. How do we look at using the money we make from Web3 to transfer to manufacturing, right? But I think I think it takes a mindset shift from the thing that you have to unlearn is um, lack and scarcity, right? And which is kind of counterintuitive because the whole point of NFTs is like, oh, you have a scarce amount of whatnot. But I think in terms of actually understanding Web3, you have to have an abundance mindset. You have to know that like people, resources, community. What does that look like? What do you mean when you say abundance mindset? Like I, I know what I know what it means, but what does that mean to you? Tell, explain that. Abundance mindset to me means knowing that there could be people, opportunities, organizations that are gonna come and give me just what I need in the right amount of time. And it's not just going to be money. I don't just need money to make my dreams to come true. And for me, that dream is being free, like financially free from the system. Uh, it means being able to like actually build communities. I feel like in America, like we really don't have a sense of communities. Oftentimes it's very nuclear home. You're in your little house on your cul-de-sac and you know, the fear tactics on the news and everything makes you feel like you can't trust the space, but trust people in general. Like there is so much fear. So to me, like having abundance mindset is right. quieting that fear and that noise and trusting that you can count on your neighbors and other people who have aligned values and missions to build with. And you don't have to do it alone. It's not just you. And I, it is so American. You know, you get kicked out the house at 18 or whatnot. You know, you got to make your own money. You got to, so at least that's how I came up. And I know yeah. a lot of Black Black American families the same, which is different from other cultures where Very you're different. staying in the house, right? You're relying on your family to support you until you get to a certain place. You guys are all working together, right, um, to sustain and and... Well, how does Web3 help do that, though? Because you're talking about, I want to talk about that a little bit, how, how, how you see Web3 being able to change mindsets, because I think changing mindsets is difficult. And then you're talking about embracing new technologies, my first question. The second question I want to get to is how you see manufacturing. And the third, yeah. I, want to get into, I want to get into the fear part, and particularly some things you've gone through that can help inform people. But there's reasons why people have fear about these things, too, and how you actually address them. So let, let's take on yeah. the first one. 
So the first one where Web3 helped me, I come into like how you see it building community. Like how do you see that happening? Like in terms of what 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 does that look like? On the baseline, it looks like oh, I bought an NFT that is representing a community or a group of people, and now I'm in that community, and now I have access to that community. That's the baseline, right? And then as you really start to explore the space, right? Not all communities are created equal. Not everyone has the same values. But I have found in my year and a half that I naturally attract the people in this larger Web3 community that have aligned mission values and goals. For example, even um, there's a community uh, that Miguel started called Sick World or S1C. You know, he starts talking about their vision, their voice, what they're trying to do. And it was like, yo, that's exactly like in alignment with why I even came into this space. I want to build. I want to support your community. I'm going to put my efforts here versus another. You know, House of First is another one um, that I feel like I instantly kind of came into alignment with. We had some shared mission, values, and goals. Absolutely. And I felt like you can help me get to where I need to go and make the social impact I need and I can help you too. So I think that's where Web3 is. It, it opens up your network. Your network is your network. I'm sure you've heard yeah. of that. Um, and I think that is extremely true in Web3. Well, and I, and I think the central importance of what and what I believe you're getting to here is so there's, when we talk about Web3, what do we mean by that? And, you know, Web1 was just straight read. You can just read something off the internet, things like that. Web two is where we are now. You can obviously read and write and interact. Uh, but the problem is, of course, all the data from Facebook to Google, everything else is controlled by essentially one, one, two, three or four entities all across the world. The opportunity we have now, I think where we're getting to is this is the ownership part of it. Web three is ownership. Individually, collectively, it allows more of us to own our own data, which is still the most valuable resource we have and also how we can co-build and support our artists directly without having the labels, without having others. We, they'll still be platforms, but it gives more democratization to ownership, to building, to musicians and things like that. So I want people to know like that's the that's how we can if we now embrace this concept. But if we wait, because there is going to be like, I won't say consolidation, right? But there's going to be some level of that. And the key is, will we, will we be able to organize uh, our communities to create something something that is at least sustainable and different for us that supports our values that's actually supporting making sure we're changing the opportunities particularly we're talking about black and brown communities like we have to be intentional builders in this space and that's why it's so important uh diamond what you're doing in charlotte and all across the country that's why we're doing this to disrupt art i mean that's why we have midwest con that's why we built these things that's why we built a platform to make it very easy for anyone from here to africa or anybody else to connect these things matter and we have to build and be intentional about building in the space because if we don't, we're defaulting to all the others that are not going to have these values that are not going to be focused on communities. So I think what you said there is key. All right, let's talk about manufacturing. You said manufacturing. Yeah. I'd like to hear your view on how you see manufacturing fitting within the Web3 kind of ecosystem and, and infrastructure concept. How do, how do you see that playing? Yeah, I mean, we could talk about data ownership all you want, but the devices that both you and I are using right now to communicate that people are even, you know, transacting on, right? Those are still owned by a few major, you know, major entities. And then coming from supply chain, when you really get into who controls resources, even that is a pretty small group, right? And that's really where wealth is when you control natural resources, right? 
lithium, cobalt, all the things that make even a hard wallet work. Um, that's real ownership, right? Data ownership to me is the first step. That is data is what is used on these platforms and manipulated to create products and services. But the real product and services is that hardware. And so there's some really cool people like feature.io. Um, they have a you know console, in-home console that is streaming blockchain content from blockchain, you know, curators um, and producers. Um, they did some really cool things with Netflix with Love, Death and Robots where you're like within the video, you're collecting an NFT. So they oh, they wow. recognize early on, right? This one thing to have the digital content authenticated and be able to transact is another to have that feed to, you know, hardware. So what's that's it called? Feature, cool. what's it called? Feature.io. Feature.io, check that out, okay. Yeah, and I, learn something I see, new. learn something new, uh, but I see communities who are strong and who are building wealth, aggregating that wealth. We should be owning manufacturing of our hard wallets, right? The hard mm. wallet I got is from Asia. And I, wow. I mean, if you follow manufacturing news, if you don't have control of your manufacturing very closely, you can't be certain what are in is in your devices, honestly. Interesting, interesting. That's a that's a because even as you talk about right as we talk about the decentralization of data, which is really what it is, right? You still, in order for that data to be shared, it's shared over it. Right now, it's shared over servers, and I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna nerd out a little bit, right? So currently, right now, all your data is shared over these big things called servers, where they're able to have all this information stored, which costs more money, right? But you know, now with blockchain, anybody who has a computer basically anywhere across the world can share this information, but it still has to be stored on a computer and in devices, even as you're dispersing the data. How do you see that playing out? Do you think it's going to be one? Do you think is a nerd part of you? Do you think servers are still going to matter in blockchain in some different ways in terms of at a large scale? And then how do you see that playing out in terms of manufacturing? Like, how should we be thinking about positioning ourselves with manufacturing as we move more into blockchain? Yeah, I mean, you think about those four major companies you're alluding to, they have massive data centers, data centers and even the ocean, okay, right. because it is so valuable. Um, I think, I mean, I know Ethereum, they say something like over 40% of the nodes are ran on AWS servers, I believe. There you go. Um, what I think should happen or could happen is strong communities again, take that wealth and you start investing it in land and we start putting up our own data centers. Oh, that's right? a great idea um, for a project. That's a great idea. It is. And and actually there's some people who already did this. You know, there were NFT projects where if you bought the NFT, you were a part of the community that was like mining Bitcoin and Ethereum. And they had a little plant down in Atlanta. Um, I'm forgetting the name right now, but that does a whole lot for people who can't afford to set up a whole mining rig or you know it's a lot of energy you just think about the sheer amount of energy that is required to mine some people are living in apartments who are getting the space they don't have the room capacity or funds right. to invest in that so if there's a way we can collectively do that uh, and then be controlling the actual hardware itself not relying on a third party um I mean, that's long term. That's 20, yeah, 30, but I like 40, the 50 years. But, but yeah, that's, that's, that, I mean, I think it's a good concept as people think about like our communities were gentrified. Right. We had these valuable assets and then gave away grandma's house for you thinking it's a bunch of money. And then it's that's been 20 X, 30 X. Right. You're sitting on 
we have we have another opportunity to make sure that we are now, I guess, uh, making sure we don't prevent pure gentrification of the internet. It already kind of happened with Web One and Web Two. Let's make sure we actually build in this space and be intentional. I think you're right. All right, I want to talk about fear. Fear is something that right uh, that is in this space, and there are there are there are obviously things. I don't believe in fear, but there are things that one needs to be aware of. And so let's talk about fear in this space. Let's talk about hacking people people yeah. will say well can you well what, what can i just lose everything is there what i know you've had some instances with hacking here talk to yeah. us about your personal story here and your recommendation you know specifically you're new in this space right uh making sure that you can't even make any guarantees but how do you reduce the possibility that these things happen talk about your experience with hacking and what we all can learn i think everybody in unfortunately web 3s has some version of hacking happen to them or almost happen to them what, yeah. what, how do you tell people in this space to try to avoid that? And what's your what, talk about your journey and story there, too? I think, you know, you were asking about what shifts need to happen. One is this idea of like accountability and ownership. Right. When you're in this space, you don't really have a third party to rely on to fix things for you. Right. right. So you do have to go in knowing like this is on me if I make a mistake, like. I can't beat myself up about it. Like these are just the risks. Um, The thing about hackers, they're always evolving how, you know, it started with phishing links, right? And everyone's like, don't click random links. Don't click random DMs on Instagram because as soon as you get in this space, right? And you even put NFT on anything you do, you start getting all these weird fake accounts and bots on your stuff. Um, And so, you know, that's, that's the first tip is like, don't answer random DMs you don't know. And I didn't. And I avoided, you know, getting hacked or whatnot uh, for a while. You know, the fake project links that look just like yours, there's ways you can, you know, be mindful of what's counterfeit or not. In my case, the way I got hacked, I had um, a project come to me and say, hey, we want you to do some consulting for us. We'd like you to check out our video game. Uh, We're trying to build a digital marketplace. We're just looking for something like advice, consulting type. So we were on a Zoom call. I was on a Zoom call when I was hacked, just like this. Um, And they were walking me through their website. And I mean, it was beautiful. Like it was actually done really well uh, and so you had to put in this code to download the video game file for you hardcore gamers you know oftentimes you have to put it on your pc if it's a larger file big graphics whatnot uh, and i did and i'm i'm sending me- i mean i recorded pretty much everything but i'm sending messages like hey this file is not downloading correctly it's not opening it all the way and basically it was like a malicious program they said, hey, we're sorry for, you know, wasting your time. Can you send us your ETH address so that we can compensate you for the consulting? And, you know, this, you know, we'll have it ready so it won't happen next time. I send them my ETH address and I don't know what that program was and how it connected to my wallet, um, but it sure did. Damn. And, and I don't, it's not like it drained everything all at once. And it, it had your, it, it was just, it found it just from being on your computer, right? Damn, that is so wild. Right, because you know your MetaMask is connected to Google Chrome, right. and it, it was super malicious because the program looked like a Paint file, like a, a Paint Explorer program. So, I'm I'm used to going back and getting malware off. The, I've always used PC, so I went through that whole process, resetting the computer and everything. But yeah, it was targeted. You know, they took out very specific pieces. I think just to be fun, I only had like 30 bucks in my MetaMask. I took that out too, and then left the junk that I had, um, and then like blocked me on Twitter, like all their socials that right. they have put up just blocked me. 
So luckily I had screenshots. I'll, I'll make a post for people to watch out, but. And you'll be able to go after, like, we can trace eventually what where these people go and what happens to it, right? I mean. Yeah, I think, you know, I haven't, um, I need to submit to the ICC, the Internet Crime yes. Protection. Like I said, I didn't lose anything that I cared about, and I got the program off my computer. I switched everything to my hard wallet. Um, I, that's my best advice. Stick to your hard wallet. I use Cool Wallet. I really like them because they have, like, an app interface. Um, but it's tedious, like, Tran, tran, transferring like the things that I cared about, I spent like two, three hours, you know. Yeah. Which I think fact. is part of the part of the, like I, I think you and I are a little bit different on. That. I think there's going to be just because I know I, my instincts with people is going to be. There's going to be something that has to be able to have some system of how we are able to go after bad actors and people in the space. Yeah. So it's and then there has to be some because people I think, unfortunately aren't gonna go through these multiple steps. So I believe the most important thing we can do in Web3 is to make it secure, but also as easy as possible. We figure out how we step people into it eventually and then get them to do their own wallet. Because I think it's very hard for people to learn something new and then, it's not hard, but I just, human nature is not as busy as people are, are gonna do all these things to require to learn something new that's supposed to be empowering to them. But your But lesson- I put the responsibility on these platforms too. Twitter, oh, should be. Instagram. You know, I know during COVID and during some things, they would pop up. They were monitoring my stuff enough to be like, oh, they're mentioning this or that. Monitor the bots. Get them off the platforms. Like, you know, and I think, no speculation, but I see so often that these platforms aren't doing their due diligence to make sure that it's, you know, reputable and real people, you know, on their platforms. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely the challenge. And this is why in this space, too, there will be plat- we're a platform and it's that obviously costs more infrastructure support, but it's very important to have that. Right. But at the end of the day, hackers are going to find new ways. That was a very sophisticated hack. Right. They, they study their people. They know what they're doing. And so there's also going to be systems to make sure we have different ways to hold these people accountable or be able to at least be able to recover assets. And there's probably some, there's always some balance between complete decentralization and some ability to make sure that we can hold bad actors accountable. And I don't think anybody's ever had that. I lean toward more decentralization, but at the same time, I recognize there has to be abilities to go after people when they steal things that they shouldn't have. And I don't know what that answer is. And I know nobody in Congress or anybody knows what that is because they don't even know what Web3 and blockchain is. You can tell they talk about it. But so I'm not necessarily saying they should try to solve it because I don't think they know it. But I do think we have to think very carefully as builders in this space, how do we make sure we, we it's, it's it's secure and it's accessible? And those things are, are tensions that are not always on the same side of each other, right? Secure and accessibility, yeah. right? And I All know right. there's communities that are popping up to protect people, exactly. right? Who have like insurance groups that if you do lose your stuff through a hack, you know, they'll help support pay out. You know, there are some solutions coming um, that I think will help new people coming in feel comfortable and it's the same things that happened at dot com again we'll just history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes this is the same things that happened when the internet first started same things happened on social media facebook people getting catfished all those things now we're getting a different level of the same things that human again it's human nature and we're going to build for it but that doesn't mean the technology is not useful as you say it is useful it's not on the future so right now so you need to learn about it. Okay, let's get to our rapid fire questions at the end. Get a little yeah. drum roll going here. Uh, three questions. There we go. There we go. All right. So finish this. Finish this sentence. 
all right, these sentences, I should say, the future of Web3 is. Right. Okay. What outsiders misunderstand the most about Web3 is. It's just a bunch of money hungry. <laughs> People playing with fake money. <laughs> okay. What insiders of Web3 get wrong most often is. We'll come back to that. All right. We'll come back. Yeah. All right. The best way to create impact in Web3 is. Meet people IRL. Get, get, do grassroots work. All right. The future of disruption that will happen in Web3 is. Service-based tokens. All right. Uh, let's see. So let's, I'm going to go back. What do you think those inside Web3 get wrong most often? so many things just tell me the I'll, first I'll just thing say this, your brain. the first thing is the people get wrong in web3 is it being an echo chamber like we think we're thought leaders we think we have the solutions but ultimately i think many people lack as i said the emotional intelligence to really get in touch with the everyday person and connect with them yep. so you know that's definitely a gap all right, Diamond Doll, great having you on. Look forward to our future building. Thank you so much for coming on Disrupting Web3. Great having you. Thank you for inviting me. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you.